Yay. Hi. Yay. <laughs> hey, Adrian. Hi, Gary. Yay. Look at We made technology work. Yes, we did. Hey, Adrian. My name's Philip, and I got Pete with me as well. Hello, Adrian. My, my name's Pete. <sighs> nice to meet you all. Hi, Pete. Thank Hi, Philip. Thanks for How having me. How you doing? Of course. Of course. So um, we'll get started here. Um, go ahead. And, you know, we got some great guests here tonight. Um, you know, we're here with another conversation with Phil and Pete. Um, guests, please let everyone know who's uh, talking here tonight. Hi, my name's Carrie, and I'm an epidemiologist. Oh. Mm. And I'm Adrian, and I'm a registered nurse. Oh. Nice. Nice. Thank you, ladies, for joining us. Thank you for joining us. So um, a little bit just to, ab- about you all, uh, maybe how old you are, and just a little bit about what you all do, maybe just a little bit more behind what y'all do, I guess. Sure. So, again, this is Carrie. Um, I'm 30. I have a background in microbiology and epidemiology. Um, I've worked at, in public health in a number of different roles, working at med schools and uh, for nonprofits, working with um, state health departments and working with um, at the federal level, you know, promoting public health. And um, as an epidemiologist, I do a lot of data stuff. So I look at data, um, you know, big national data sets to see what kind of trends are going on and my specific interests are healthcare. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Next, Adrian. Yes, I'm here. I'm Julia, and I've been a registered nurse for about 14 years. I've worked in various specialties, including infectious diseases, infection control. Um, I'm currently working at the federal level, um, and I also have uh, experience in psychiatric nursing, oncology nursing, and occupational health nursing. Oh, wow. Well, we got quite the lineup, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, <laughs> we got ourselves awesome. some very smart people in this room <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah. It yeah. feels great. You know, one of the main reasons, you know, me and Phil wanted you on here is me and Phil, we bump heads quite a bit when it comes to... Well, when it comes to, uh, I don't know, vaccinations, we'll just jump right into it. Uh, just because it's always come up with me and him. Well, it comes up more now. Phil's my best friend, and I'm, I'm, my son's about to be five uh, here in February. So, as a parent, of course, that that becomes a big topic when you become a parent. Um, when beforehand, it was just never really a topic, you know what I mean? And so, we just, we want to know some data. We just want to know what what you all think about it, what you all have to say about it. Um, and then if Phil wants to throw in a question every once in a while, maybe I'll let him, maybe, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll let him, but you know, just, we just want to know some information, you know what I mean? Uh, just about vaccinations, the flu, whatever it is to judge the period. Yeah. yeah. Not, not just, not just me and Pete, you know, we want our listeners to kind of get an idea. Um, you know, like, like you both said, you guys, you guys have a great background and, um, I'm interested, uh, you know, like Pete said, me and Pete kind of uh, go head to head on a bunch of stuff. And we're not here to do that with you, with you both mm-hmm. ladies. We just want to get some information and just kind of have everybody be aware um, and, you know, just kind of hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, well, I think starting on that note, um, I think an important part of public health is about messaging. 
And so a lot of people have different ideas of stuff. And um, I think a lot of the current political climate is just saying, like, no, you're wrong in somebody's face. And, like, that's not going to change anybody's opinion about anything. It's not helpful. It starts um, – it gets people defensive and into, like, you know, like, that I'm right kind of mode. And so I think mm-hmm. what public health actually does really well is, um, you know, changing the messaging to be more like, hey, these are the facts. Like, this is how it could affect you. Here's some statistics for you to think about and take home and see if it, like, applies to your life. So I kind of like, and you know, I'd like to take this conversation in that kind of way to be like, hey, everybody's got feelings, everybody's got opinions, and everybody's trying to make the best out of their own lives and make sure that, you know, make sure that they're making the right decision for their kids, which is a really big deal. So I think it's important to count everybody's, you know, voices and opinions and try to get everybody at the table so we all understand what's um, going on behind at the emotional level. Definitely, definitely. Do you huh. think the do you think the message you, you you said messaging the messaging is important. What do you what do you mean by that? Like making sure everybody has the appropriate information. Well, I don't know. So do you remember in like the nineties, all the dare campaigns that was of course you know. So it was yeah. that fear factor to be like, look at all these body bags, and you could be the next body bag. You know, so that was one, one type of messaging, and then some of the other messaging is like you know, here, talk to the survivors of smoking. And that was kind of a softer message to be like, here's somebody that it actually happened to. And here's a personal story that's not necessarily scary. It just is. So you can kind of see the shift in public health messaging that way and really being able to reach people on all levels. Mm, Okay. That is very interesting. So taking, taking a less scare tactic approach from what it sounds like versus like, let's, Let's think about this big picture before just kind of like attacking everybody. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. That makes sense. You know, especially if you're making decisions, you know, with, with children and people and Yeah, so I, I don't think it's that helpful for everybody to go, you know, you're killing people or you're giving kids, you know, whatever. Like tell, yelling at somebody isn't very helpful. So I think... Um, a lot of the conversations around vaccines have kind of come to that level and everybody's very emotional about, you know, their kids and their family and what they're doing. And, um, so I totally get that. And so I think just, it's important to have a conversation with both sides. So I'm glad that you guys, you know, are on opposite sides of some of the spectrum. Cause I think that provides a lot of balance. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. true. <laughs> do, do you think everybody has? Uh, I don't want to say. Do Do you all think everybody has the appropriate information for vaccines? Because I don't. Honestly, I mean, what is the appropriate information when it comes to to looking up or to 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 looking up vaccines to looking into it? I mean, what's the appropriate information to to look for? I mean, because that's one thing that I had asked myself, you know, and. One of the things is is, educa- is education on it, I, I think, is the biggest part of it. I mean, do you think everybody's educated enough on vaccines? I mean, so far that you know about, you know, in your expertise and what you do, do you think um, our country's educated enough on vaccines or no? Or vaccinations in general? Well, uh, this is Adrian, and I'll speak to that a bit. Um, so... Not everyone has access access to a computer. Um, And, of course, those of us who do, we have um, access to the CDC website or the WHO website. Um, 
you know, both provide lots of information about different types of illnesses, diseases, and also the recommendations for prevention and treatment. So um, I can also speak to the fact that I've vaccinated a lot of individuals over the years, mostly for flu. Um, but during those years um, that I was doing that, we would give an information sheet along with the vaccine if the person uh, you know, wanted the information sheet. So, and that information sheet is updated regularly. So, I mean, if you're actually one to go out and seek the vaccine, um, then yes, you, you will be provided information. And of course, nurses and doctors are educated to, you know, give advice and, and, and give information to their patients pre-vaccination um, if they're, you know, if they're hesitant for some reason. So I think that information is out there, but I don't work in public health per se. So I, I definitely think that Carrie's point about messaging is a very good point and that we probably could do a better job um, at it. But at the same time, the information is there for those who seek it out. Adrian, what do you think the biggest reason is people don't get vaccines? In my experience, <laughs> the biggest reason that people do not take vaccination is they are scared of the needle. Really? You, that is yes. really, really? That's interesting. <laughs> no. That's really, are you like serious? Like, so people actually say, I'm scared because of the needle. Yeah. And sometimes they'll sit there looking terrified and say, you know what? You have a nice face. I'm going to trust you, you know? Um, and that's all about that's that's all I can do right now because they're just they're terrified. Interesting. And of course, yeah, of course, a lot of times these are males. Um, <laughs> Jesus say it. um but there's also this uh, <laughs> that's too funny. this scare of autism. So I, I wanted to bring that. Yeah, up yeah. There's a scare of autism, and um, there was um, some speculation that thimerosal, which is a mercury-containing preservative, um you know, that there's some link between thimerosal and autism, which, you know, that has been disproven by multiple studies, but there is still a small population out there who believes it. So I did want to say that too. And, so and, there, there's definitely, you know, and ahead. I agree. Like, um, I think, so even within the science world, there's different levels of studies and how much confidence that study can give you on the facts that it finds. So, you know, if you have a big study with millions of people and it's well-designed in theory, that gives you more power as opposed to a study with fewer people and a subpopulation. Yeah. So even on a daily basis, uh, medical professionals are going to this research and ranking it and being like, you know, there's no other available information. This is what I have to go on. But something, um, you know, as big as vaccines has studies with thousands and thousands of people and our entire country has been vaccinated you know, over and over with lots of vaccines. Like I think, you know, when you're a kid, you have a schedule for vaccines because you get so many and yeah. timing's important. So you just get a ton of them. So we've had, you know, it's, it's something that's a lot safer than, you know, a lot of the medical studies that are out there. So like, for example, for um, medical devices to get approved by the FDA, you need a very small study because really? you can't, you can't put experimental things in people. So how are you going to prove that that experimental thing is fine in people? 
So they just, they do my, you know, mouse models. They do, um, you know, things with guinea pigs. They do animal models. They do basic testing to go, this is probably fine. And you know, that's enough. But vaccination has so much studies. And so I think people don't understand the difference between the types of studies and how, how they can be interpreted and what they mean. And so I think they get dismissed easily because you're like, oh yeah, they said studies, but I don't really know how impactful that statement really is. So you think, you think the reason besides people being scared of needles um, from what it sounds like is just not trusting from what it just sounds like, sorry, not trusting the, uh, the studies that are being done on thousands and thousands of people versus you know, you're going to stick this whatever into me and it's probably maybe been tested on a mouse (laughs) um, once. Oh, that's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, and then I think people, like, the biggest, I don't know, the biggest factor for me when considering medical decisions is, um, you know, really looking at what are my risks. Okay. And all of that, you know, all of that is statistics and all, you know, it's the same as if you go to Vegas. It's like, you know, I got a one in a thousand shot of getting, you know, encephalitis from this vaccine. Or, you know, I have a one in 10 shot of, you know, getting a significant illness from, you know, from my community. Or, you know, so it's like the more risky it is, the more people are willing to compromise in other ways. So you're like, I might die. I'm going to get over this fear of needles to get a vaccine. Versus a lot of a lot of the diseases we have now are pretty low risk. Like your chances, you know, of interacting with somebody else with measles is pretty low in the U.S. And so people are like, I've never seen someone with one like anybody with measles, so my odds of getting measles are pretty small. So I'm, you know, and I'm also don't like needles, and I also think there's this autism thing, you know, like those pool together to form people's opinions. <clears throat> Definitely, definitely. And, and you yeah, just I said, think autism is, yeah. you I was going to say autism said, is the one that I hear of the most. Yeah, yeah. Autism, autism is a big one. And I hear that, I hear that quite a bit that more people are concerned, you know, and, and Carrie knows, you know, being from where we're from, Boulder, uh, there's a lot of people who are like that, you know, like, oh, you're going to get autism and be in special ed because <laughs> you got a, you know, you got this vaccine. Yeah. And I have a, I have a really hard time with that because, um, the alternative might be a dead kid. So you're like, you're saying that like, I would rather have a dead child than potentially an autistic child, Wow, you know? So it's like, and and like, that's really like hurtful from, you know, like a special point of view. And, you know, I, I know people don't think of it that way. And like, they're not, you know, saying autism is terrible, but it's like your, your kid could die of a terrible infectious disease or they might, you know, and there's never been proven, but, you know, there's potentially this idea that you could get autism. And, like, there are people, too. Like, it's not, like, autistic people are great people, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very great people. I've never been yeah, autistic. The, yeah. In that comment that you said, I mean, the alternative is a dead child. and Or the other end of it is a dead child rather than an autistic child. And I never, I never looked at it that way. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm all for, you know, I'm all for vaccinating. Of, yeah, and people don't think of that way, you know, but it's like, that's kind of what you're saying is you're saying like autism is worse than any outcome of this disease. Huh. And like back in the day, you know, people, there are millions of cases of people that were scarred for life, damaged for life or dying. Yeah. 
Wow, I never even thought about that. Thank you, both of you. That was that was that was eye opening on my eyes. Um, and you know, another question to you to you both. You know, I, I don't know if you probably are aware because you guys are in your profession of you are. Um, this measles outbreak in in Washington. Um, why? I, I'm just wondering. Like, is there a reason why there's not like a lot of coverage on it? Um, because that should be something that we should all be worried about, right? Or just it's just it'll be fine. We'll figure it out, kind of thing. Um, I, this is Adrian. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I mean, we're all kind of siloed here by, our, you know, the states that we live in, the regions that we live in, um, unfortunately, sometimes. But it's it's a relatively small outbreak. I believe 35 yeah. uh, were yes, infected. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a relatively small outbreak. And um, they did mention that uh, in the news that 31 of the 35 were not vaccinated. So, I mean, if you look at the numbers, that's 88.6% of that population, you know, were not vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, we were talking about research, you know, earlier. And, I mean, there's your research. You know, take that, take that data and apply it because we know that in these 35 cases, 31 of them weren't vaccinated and they now have measles. Yeah, that's that is crazy. That's really and crazy. I also think with like the news piece of that question, like that, I mean, there's an outbreak of Ebola, like ongoing, um, you know, in the DRC right now. So I think that there's a lot of things going on. I mean, like even the other day there, you know, there was the shooting in Florida and hardly any of the news coverage covered it. So I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, active media coverage or different outlets, you know, are the best measure of importance. Interesting. Huh. No, it's true. No, yeah, no, that true. that is that is true. That is true. You know, and, and and I guess I guess my question on that was, you know, we hear we hear that Kim Kardashian walked across the street, but we can't <laughs> hear that, you know, people are, are dying because they're not being vaccinated or you know, there's a guy who killed, you know, five people in Florida because he wanted to rob a bank, you know, and and Kardashian walked across the street and named her kid, you know, Northwest or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was just, I, you know, I'm just, that just kind of concerns to me, you know, like, and it's, also, it's great. Yeah. It's also know, like we... polarization, I think, because if half your news base doesn't want to hear about the outbreak. So in theory, like the anti-vax people don't want to hear about an outbreak yeah. within anti-vax people or like, you know, gun control stuff. Half your population doesn't, isn't interested in gun control. And so are you going to highlight that again? You know, even like the Maroon 5 thing with the um, that they canceled their press conference because everybody's freaking out that they're, um, you know, playing at the Super Bowl. With at all the Super Bowl, yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. I think like your, if your audience is so split as like a newscasting that's there to sell themselves and gain viewers, we all apparently want to know about the Kardashians, but only half of us want to, you know, listen to these news articles that could be, you know, potentially against opinions huh i don't i have no idea but man that, that i'm with you no, i'm with you that's, no that makes sense i i agree with you i 100 percent agree no, with you it makes sense i'm with you my uh my significant works with uh, a string of uh providers pediatricians and one of the main pediatricians that she's a provider for that she assists is initially from from the she's from the philippines and she's told, you know, she's told, she's told her stories of, you know, watching young kids die from 
flu, measles. Uh, she hadn't been in the States, but for maybe five years or so, you know, so well, she spent most of her time over in the Philippines. And <clears throat> one thing that she's when having a conversation with her was, you know, of course, she backs vaccines, vaccinations all the way. Her biggest thing is the cost. I mean, I, her thing is the cost, I guess. It's free here. I mean, while she's here in New Mexico, here in New Mexico, where I reside, um, I mean, we got a lot of this area is mainly, you know, Medicaid, Medicare type deal. You know what I mean? So the parts that we live in, the town that we live in. So her biggest thing is the cost. It's free. Do it. Why not? You know, you should do it. Um, <clears throat> do y'all think, do y'all ever see that cost is an issue? It shouldn't be an issue, right? Or cost shouldn't be an issue for vaccinations. Do you ever see that it is? Um, I mean, I, I guess healthcare is very expensive. So let's be honest; it's, it's very expensive, and I think cost of healthcare is an issue. But as far as and you know, in regards to vaccination of children, it shouldn't be. Um, because, you know, either a child will, will qualify for Medicaid if the parents are poor, um, you know, they'll pretty much automatically qualify, um, or, you know, otherwise the child would fall under the parent's insurance. Right, right, right. So, yeah, no, I don't think in the case of what we're speaking of, it, it shouldn't be a problem. Right, right, shouldn't. Yeah, one of the more burdens is, you know, like, like Adrian said, like, even if kids are covered, it still takes mom and dad time away from work to go to a doctor's appointment, to sit in the office, you know, to get all that stuff done. You know, if you've got other kids that need to be taken care of, you know, finding that um, childcare stuff and not everybody can take two hours out of their you know right. work day to drive to a doctor's office so I think not not part of the anti-vax movement but just you know some of the barriers to getting kids vaccinated is making sure that they can come back to the doctor's office at those regular intervals to make sure that the vaccines um, have the most impact yeah that's one thing that I had seen when I was you know, some of the articles that I had read on you know people against you know individuals against vaccinations was they, they brought up a lot of the times is what they brought up, you know, cause yeah. they're right. There is a lot of intervals and my significant, they get patients, they start giving vaccinations from two months all the way to 17 years old at where they're at. You know what I mean? So yeah. they're, they definitely do get on a schedule. And that's one of the biggest things. It's like you hear, apparently it's what I'm getting is that it's a nuisance for, for these parents, it was a nuisance to get them vaccinated. You know what I mean? Well, and then um, you, you don't see the impact because you're like Adrian said, like we're in these silos, we're in the U S where we don't see a lot of these cases. So you're like, why am I taking an hour out of my day, you know, to deal with this vaccine? And then your kid doesn't like it. Your kid might not feel well afterwards. You don't like watching them getting stabbed with a bunch of needles for something that you can't, isn't tangible. You're not seeing kids drop you know drop dead left and right so you're like what what's the point so i think part of going back to like the messaging is that you know just because you don't know someone or see you know like for example like the breast cancer campaigns like i don't really remember talking about breast cancer before they did all like the save you know save the titties campaigns and 
them right, all the out pink. for right, yeah, yeah all the pink. Yeah, and now everybody's like, you know, breast cancer tattoos, like it's become part of the conversation. And now everybody's like, oh, I know somebody that has that, and I know somebody that has that, you know, because it's it was it was just as common before, but we just didn't talk about it. And then now by having all these big campaigns, we're seeing the risk. And so I think that there's maybe not enough campaigns to show the risk of, you know, these diseases. Um, Like, for example, I used to work in a medical school and they brought in um, some of the doctors that had retired to teach the med students because the doctors that are middle aged right now had never heard a whooping cough case because whooping cough just didn't happen. And it has this really unique sound that's horrible because it sounds like you know, a kid is coughing up their lungs. It's just like, you know, this terrible sound. And like, we weren't really teaching that in med schools because we thought it had been, you know, gone away. But now with the anti-vax movement, there's more risk for whooping cough in certain groups. So when you send kids out after med school to go be doctors in, you know, all these crazy areas, they need to be aware of this disease that's coming back. So like doing campaigns to be like, whooping cough is terrible. Because like, as a kid, I never had whooping cough. I never knew anybody that had, you know, it wasn't on my yeah. radar. And so then, you yeah. know, you have these parents that are like, I've never even heard of these diseases. And I can see my kid suffering in front of me getting a vaccine. This is terrible. I want to stop. But you don't understand that, um, you know, that risk that's, you know, looming per se. Yeah, just kind of waiting there. Because you just never know. It could be, you know, and I also think part of the herd immunity thing is that, um, everybody gets vaccines. So like the one kid that's allergic or the one kid that's immune deficient who can't get a vaccine is still protected. So it's like vaccines are also about like your community and keeping like young and elderly um, from getting sick. Safe. And like that means that everybody in the middle needs to get a vaccine so that the people that can't are also protected. That's true. Huh. I agree. That is very I agree true. I agree 100%. Uh, I don't know, Carrie. I think you're making me a believer here. Uh, <laughs> Y'all are here first. Making me a believer. Being at the table yeah. together helps a lot. And I and I'd like to add. Uh, this is Adrian. I'd like to add that the MMR vaccine, which is going to be due for your child, uh, I'm assuming if they're five years old, um, the second dose will be due if if you know if he or she already hasn't taken it. It's very effective. Um, against measles. So if two vaccines are given, if two doses are given, it's 95 or 97, I'm sorry, percent effective. So, you know, there again, there's, there's the data that shows that it's 95 or 97% effective. So what's the question? You know, is the question, what about the 3%? Mm. You know, like, you know, the outcomes, the research shows that it's 97% effective, then, then what's there to argue? And so I think that, again, it, it just boils down to personal choice. These people just, you know, either, whether it be they're afraid of vaccines, they're afraid of autism, they're afraid of um, whatever, <laughs> you know, or they're just maybe of a certain religion and, you know, I don't know. But uh, you, you just look at the data, you look at the research, and your answers are, there and lie your answer. So yeah, I, I mean, I, it's, it's, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I had a question for Pete and Phil. Did, did you guys get your yeah. flu shots this year? And if you did or did not, what was the influence? <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> I, did. I did not. I did not. I do. I get it. Um, I 
I get it. I get it every year. Um, I've always gotten it since I've been a kid. Or, I, well, no, I, there was a. I've gotten it every year for the most part that I can remember. Um, since or at least like the last nine years when I really started taking care of myself, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, I've always gotten it. I've never been hit really hard with the flu. Um, I've known people who've been hit hard with the flu though, and didn't have the flu shot, but I've I've always gotten it, and it's it was free, and also it's free, and and I think it's I think it's good for you. Phil didn't get it because uh, he doesn't. He didn't well, get it. I didn't get it. I I didn't get it because uh, every every time that I and it's it's going back to kind of what you guys said. Every time that I've always seen somebody get it, they get sick, <laughs> and I'm like. I'm fine. I'm still kicking over here. Um, and that's happened with me every time. Uh, my job where I work, they come in literally and, and give us the flu shot at work. Um, and there's tons of people that day that leave because they're not feeling well. And that kind of like scares me, you know, like, again, going back to that scare. Um, I'm a big I'm a big pussycat when it comes to that. Um, and to be honest, which it makes sense to me, what Adrian said is I hate me. <laughs> And I have tattoos all over my body. Um, and that's probably an, another reason, you know, but I, I've just never done it. Um, and, you know, my mom, who does it because she works at the VA um, as an IT person, but she has to get it because she's around those people. Um, she has to get it every year and every year she's gotten the flu. And I'm like, mom <laughs> and me, I've never got it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of like, well, I'm cool over here. I'll probably just never keep getting it. Cause I've never, I've never had that, that feel to be like, yo, I need to go get this because I'm getting sick. No, I've, I've been fine. Yeah. You know, like I've never, I've never gotten sick. So yeah. I, I, I asked the same question at work and, um, the women mostly had gotten their flu shots and the men mostly had not. And I, I asked why, and they were like, oh, well, um, I've never had the flu, so I don't need it. And so it was really interesting to me because, um, especially, uh, you know, healthy men, you know, healthy, everybody between the ages of like, you know, 25 and 45, even if you got the flu, you would probably have a pretty, uh, like a more mild case. Like you might be out for, you know, a week or two and feeling miserable, but those same viruses that got you could have killed a little kid or an elderly person because their immune systems are just not as strong as you know, that healthy working age group. And so a part of like the herd immunity thing and why um, it's important that like adults get the flu, even if they've never had the flu or, you know, but like, I think I've only, I don't think I've ever had the flu, but I've only known a handful of people that had the flu. And I think a lot of people mix up a cold and a flu. There's Mm -hmm. several flu like, you know, viruses out there. And it's like, you're out for a couple of days, you feel crappy, but like the flu is like, you got hit by a bus. It is awful. You are down for a week. It's not like you are trying to get through work for the week. Like you are miserable <laughs> and dying. And so I think a lot of people mix up what is a cold and what is a flu, you know, and what, um, what that, and then it's like, I, Adrian can give you the exact number, but you know, it's like a hundred thousand people in the U S die every year of the flu. Wow. You know, and I think a lot of people don't realize that because it's like, you know, people will go in with the flu and they'll just wait for a long time and they'll get walking pneumonia and die in the hospital. Like uh, Frederick or Frederick, the entertainer, he died of influenza a few years. You know, it's just it's real random and it's crazy. And so people are like, oh, I've never gotten the flu. And like, that's, you know, great. I'm so glad you haven't gotten the flu. But it's like 
there's a lot of people that have and mix it up. And so I think it's, I think the flu is worse than what people imagine or think about. Mm-hmm. Now, is it now when you say the flu kills, you know, it's, flu kills a hundred thousand people a year. Is that like, cause there's different, different types of the flu. If I'm right, a yes. B now, is that yes. more a, I mean, and my significant was telling me cause I just trying to get her, like I wanted her to tell me the difference, you know, and she told, if I'm right, B involves more like, well, she told me vomiting, diarrhea is, I guess, is what's more involved in B. Um, I don't know. So, no, um, I can speak to that. This is Adrian. Um, so, there's influenza A and B that A or B that commonly hit the United States. Yeah. Typically, influenza A hits earlier on and then B hits later on. Oh. There used to be a belief that influenza A was more virulent than influenza B, but now that that theory has been disproven, and so really there's really no difference, but I mean, flu-like symptoms include fever, headache, malaise, body aches, coughing, um, sometimes it involves the GI tract, and so you may have some diarrhea, um, but I think what your other may have been speaking about is what's called norovirus, which is also a viral infection. Um, but that affects, you know, that hits mostly as um, diarrhea or vomiting, and sometimes there's headache involvement. And furthermore, like, like no. yeah, with, with the different types also, like, you know, you guys heard about H1N1, H2N3, yeah. all of those, and it has to do. Yeah. So influenza is especially um, exciting. So, uh, Adrian said virulent. So it's able to um, change forms very quickly. So it's um, genetic material is very small. And like, so in the U.S., in um, human bodies, your DNA can like repair itself. So if there's like some weird mutation, your body is like, oh, here's a weird mutation. Let's fix it. So influenza does not have that same um, checking system to make sure that everything's okay. And it means that it mutates all the time. So that's why you talk, they talk about bird and pig and human influenza. And like when those are all together, you get these crazy mutations and then our bodies haven't seen that mutation. So how immune systems work is that, you know, once you've see, your body's seen, a, you know, an invader, a pathogen, it makes a copy of that and it stores it in your body forever. So if it ever comes back, it's like, oh, we've seen that. We know how to make antibodies for that. We're good to go. But with flu, it changes so often that our bodies haven't seen those. So the vaccines are made of different types of um, influenza. So usually it's like an A and a B and then maybe like a pandemic strain because they're just guessing at what might hit the next year. And so that's why you have to get a vaccine every year because those, um, you know, the genetic material changes all the time and we never know what's going to happen. That's why they talk about you know, coming over from China or, you know, where the flu is going to come. Like Adrian said, you could have A or B, they hit at different times and they're going to be very regional. Like a whole school could be out because they have influenza A. It's probably not going to be a mix of A and B. It's all going to be the same virus. And also uh, from what what I've heard, um, the way that they, the scientists and the chemists you know, decide what strains to put into the vaccines each year is by looking at what strains hit in China and, you know, on the other side of the country um, because we have opposite seasons there. So they look, you know, they look at China, they say, okay, these are the strains that hit. 
these are the top three or four strains that hit, and we're going to replicate those strains, put them in this vaccine, and then hopefully um, form a, a herd immunity by vaccinating, you know, 95% of the population or what have you, which is not really what happened. Yeah, but more like that's 50. That's the goal. So. And that, uh, that, yeah, it's, it's more like 50, but we the goal is to form a herd immunity response so that most everyone has immunity to the vaccine so that they don't get the flu in the first place so that they can't transmit it. And that's one more thing that like, like it, it bothers me with the anti-vax movement is like, you know, the influenza vaccine is tough. You know, it changes every year. They're making, you know, estimations and predictions and it's different all over the country. And there's a lot of moving pieces, but like things like the measles vaccinations, like Adrian said, is, you know, 97% effective. You know, so we have this great vaccine and, you know, against this terrible disease and we're not picking it up. You know why? Like, okay, I'll get flu. You got to get it every year. It's a pain. People don't like needles. It doesn't always work that great. You might not feel that well afterwards. But like those, none of those are factors in getting your kids vaccinated. And also, um, I'm not sure who mentioned this, but um, I think it was Phil. Um, So influenza is propagated in in egg protein, uh, but it's an inactive form of the virus. So it's not Ugh. a live virus. So you literally can't yes. get the flu so, from your vaccine. It's yeah. physically impossible. If, if, you take, if you take the nasal form of it, then that is a live virus. I think and so, offering that one. Isn't that the one for, don't they offer that one more for kids though? Yeah, I think they stopped offering they it because it like didn't work that they well. Do. Now they're going to do those like, have you seen the micro needles? They're like a little circle bandaid and it's got like a thousand teeny tiny needles. So you just push it onto somebody's arm. So it's like not a big needle anymore. That's the the new thing. Huh. So are they trying to do it so people like myself who doesn't like needles would be like, go for it. It's supposed to be so that anybody, you know, some, you know, you don't have to have a nurse practitioner. You can have a school nurse, you know, that maybe doesn't have, you don't want her with a big needle jabbing tiny children, but like handing out (laughs) band-aids, like that's easy. They're doing a great job. They can do it at mass amounts. Mm -hmm. Huh. And you had huh. uh, really quick, um, you had dropped, or I wanted to ask because we had kind of mentioned it, uh, or maybe I'll know the numbers. What's the rate of, of, or the vaccination rate for the U.S.? 50%, you said? For what? For flu? For, yeah, for flu. It we'll like really, flu. I think I've seen numbers as low as like 30%, but I think their cool. aim is always like they'd love to get to like 65%. I mean, it, it's worth a Google, but it's it's a lot lower than you would think. And this with in like, you know, the past years, you know, having the flus come into, um, you know, work sites, um, you know, having the, the shots come into sites that having it available, at like, you know, Walgreens, Walmart, you know, all that stuff. But like, there's also a timing piece. So like Adrian said, like the um, influenza's hit at different times. So now that the private market has gotten into vaccines, um, now I think I saw as early as like August, Walgreen was like, come in and get your flu shot. And like the flu shots don't last for that long. And so you want to get it. So like peak flu time, you know, is, you know, January, February can, you know, be as late as March. So you want to get your flu shot in like October, November. So then it's the most effective when you're the most at risk. So there's also you know, right. plays with the market where, you know, you have Walgreens offering it and they want to be the first on the market. So all the people that are stressed about getting vaccines are getting it in August, leaving them unprotected in February. 
Really? That's very interesting to know. Wow. So, I hope everybody heard well, that. Well, I mean, that's a possibility, <laughs> yes. Um, it, it takes two weeks for the flu vaccine right. to um, produce antibodies yeah. in your body. And, of course, that's how you, you are protected is that your body forms antibodies. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it, it's, I think it's good for up to six months, but it's, it's probably better, like Carrie said, to take it later. I always take mine, like, mid- October or mid November. I don't ever wait till December. Um, but you know, every you you also have to think about. Um, I, we're going to go back into those silos again, but certain parts of the country are more at risk than others. So, for instance, New York City. There's a lot of traveling people there. There's a lot of people there, and you know they're going on planes and they're going to countries maybe where people aren't as vaccinated as they are here, you know, um, you know, or you could look at some other little town in Alabama where there's not a lot of travelers. There's not a lot of immigrant immigration, immigrants, you know, coming in and out. And also there's warmer weather there. So, you know, it seems like flu typically hits in the colder regions first and in regions where there's a heavy, heavy populated area with a lot of travelers. But that, huh. that's true of a lot of disease. You know, it's the same with measles. Like, you, yes, you know, tra- true of a lot travel of history factors. and exposures and, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, even like tuberculosis, you know, a lot of those diseases, you know, if you come in with certain symptoms at the hospital, they have a triage of like, what was your travel history? Because, you know, that's a big um, risk factor for a lot of diseases because the rest of the world is not able to vaccinate. So they're at a much higher risk than a lot of the communities in the U.S. Huh. So like you, you would probably say like a high um like high travel area kinda like New York, California, Dallas, Atlanta, yeah, uh, yeah. Dallas, um, those big places like that, those are probably probably one of your highest, you know, highest travel traveling points, especially with airports. Um Don't you, doesn't everybody get crazy. sick like when you try you know, we all are doing airborne, we're all doing that. Yeah. Everybody slimes everything. You know, yeah, oh yeah. You you know, you just put your hands down your pants and now you're touching everything. You know, people are just gross. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, know, the so more true. people you put together so in a true. little room, you know, the you know, and think about like airplanes, you know, it's recirculating that air and uh, <laughs> usually you're you're infectious Man. you know, before you have symptoms. So like two days <laughs> and, before you and... feel anything, you are spewing germs on everybody else. And the measles oh, vaccine, or, I'm sorry, the measles virus and influenza virus is uh, transmitted through the air. Um, and so, you know, you could cough into your hand, you could cough into your elbow, but there's still going to be some deflection there and the virus is still going to get into the airspace. And so, you know, th- this is why it's so important to vaccinate because it's really hard to prevent it, once you're infected, it's really hard to prevent transmission. So um, and kids are the worst. Yeah. Like in in schools and stuff, like they're licking their pencils, oh, yeah. they're licking their friends. That you know, they're eating food off the ground. You know, like it's just oh. mayhem. Like anybody that has like preschoolers, like you're probably gonna get sick the first year you put your kid into school because they're just little vectors and they just pick up all the germs around them and then they come bring them home to you and you haven't had any of those exposures so you're just like sick 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 and it's the same thing you know and then just imagine measles so one kid comes into a classroom you know with measles and the entire group is not vaccinated like everyone in that room is going to get sick and somebody in that room is going to get 
really sick and somebody in that room might die. And so like, that's what, that's when it gets scary. Man. Also, also kids don't wash their hands very frequently or very well. I agree. I agree, I agree with that. I agree My son's that. about to be five and I sit there behind him and I tell him, wash your hands, son, you know, and, and I see him the whole process and he turns around and I just look at him like, really, dude? He turns around and does it again. So, yeah, I mean, they, it, it, I'm like, I can only think how this kid is at school. Because my son, you know, now that you say that, you say airplanes, you say all that. You know, now that I'm actually thinking about my son's schedule right now. I drop yeah. my son off at school. He buses from, he buses from there uh, to daycare. But that bus is on the road all day with all sorts of kids. <laughs> then from there, he goes to daycare with a whole new set of at least a dozen kids, you know, and I know at daycare, it's just, I know it's just, it, it's just a pen of kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, it's just, oh. well, and, I think, like, and they're also, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, man. No. They're also sneezing and coughing yeah. on inanimate objects. Yeah. And those inanimate objects are, uh, if it's bacterial, they're you know these bacterial spores are duplicating, replicating on the inanimate object, and the viruses can also stay on surfaces for you know 24 hours up to 72 hours, depending upon the virus. Um, the difference between the two is viruses need a viable cell host, so eventually they'll die if they don't get to that viable cell host. Whereas bacteria can just keep replicating and replicating. And an example of bacterial infection is like a MRSA infection, something like that. And t- tuberculosis is also um, bacterial, although tuberculosis is thought to be airborne, transmitted through airborne. Flu can also be transmitted through droplet precautions. You know, we, we put droplet precautions on uh, patients who are in the hospital. But flu, it, it, flu is just really difficult because flu is actually transmitted in three different ways. So through the air, through droplets, and through inanimate objects and, and through contact with, say, door handles or bedside tables. Um, so, yeah, it's just really complicated. <laughs> wow. Really faceted, wow. Uh, and, like, you know, I think, like, we're all old enough that, um, you know, my we all had, I don't know, I had chicken pox. So I think the, you know, a couple of years after do. us, is when they started doing vaccines. So now those kids don't even get chicken pox. But so like, I think one of my first outbreak experiences was uh, I was in like kindergarten and, you know, we're all together and you do nap time and all this stuff. And I had like a a pretty small class, you know, maybe like 10 or 15 kids. And um, I I went to daycare or, you know, went to school. And then, you know, a couple days later, like my mom would, went to give me a bath and lifted up my shirt and was like, and I was covered in spots. So I had picked up chicken pox somewhere. We didn't know about it. I was in school for a couple of days. So I got sick. She pulled me out of school. I was home for a couple of days, you know, was all itchy, recovered, went back. We went back. There was nobody in school. And they were like, Oh, didn't, didn't somebody tell you there was, there was a chicken pox outbreak. My mom was like, huh? I have no idea what that's about. Here's my kid. so it's like you know that same stuff happens you know and i have a friend that was my classmate and she still has like scars on her forehead because chicken pox was so bad for her 
you know, yeah. so I think wow. like, you know, you're like, oh, that person's exposed to measles. But like, what if it was you? And then you sent your kid to school and then everybody got me, you know, you just have no way to control a lot of that stuff. Like we all look back and are like, you know, here was day zero and we can point out all those things. But when you're living life, like you don't know when those symptoms start and you don't know when those outbreaks could happen and you don't know when something bad could come along. And like, it takes a while to recognize symptoms and figure that out and then pull your kids out. So like, if your kids aren't vaccinated, like, you know, what, you know, there's just so many what ifs that I, you know, I'm not a parent, but it, like, I would be very stressful for me to be like, you know, God, they could, you know, get some crazy stuff from people at school. Like I have no idea. Yeah, but that you know, and that's the thing, you know, you say right there, the what ifs, the what ifs, all those what ifs at the end of the day, when I, well, on my outlook on it, all those what ifs are better than a dead child, you know, like all the, the what ifs, uh, all the things that can happen for, you know, just everything in general when it comes to vaccinations, not having a vaccinated kid around, um, and, and so forth, you know what I mean? And just looking at the overall thing of it, I mean, I'm still focused around that comment. I think it was Adrian. I think you said it. <laughs> I mean, aut- aut- autism or a dead kid. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it's important. And it's like, there's a lot of what ifs in all of our lives. That's so like, why wouldn't you get vaccinated? Because then that's one less what if, even if it's not totally checked off, because you could still, you know, potentially get it. But you're giving yourself, I, in my opinion, in science, you're giving yourself the best um, chances to, you know, prevent these terrible diseases. Oh. Man, forming antibodies. So yeah. Man, that was a lot. Yeah, that was just a lot of information. A lot of great information to be exact. Like like I said here earlier. Like I don't know. I think I might give it a shot. <laughs> I think I might give it a I shot. Think, and see what happens. I think I may have convinced Phil to um to get vaccinations or get the, at least the flu shot. I don't know. I hope he gets the flu shot. Well, and I think the secret is you got to reward yourself, Phil. You know, it's like. I'm going to get my flu shot today, and then I'm going to go to my favorite restaurant because I did a good, you know. So you yeah, never reward yeah. yourself to get through those big needles. Oh, man. <laughs> those needles, though. Like, I literally, like, I have hundreds and hundreds of, of needles hit me with these tattoos that I have all over my body. But when I see those needles just, like, come out, I'm like, nope. Peace. Like, get me out of here. I mean, like, nobody I... enjoys that, but, you know, the, it's worth it, it you know. It is definitely worth it. And I was eventually going to ask you all before I started, I was going to, I told myself, I'm going to at least ask them this question. If I was, uh, if I haven't had my child yet and I was going to ask you all, should I vaccinate my child? I was going to hope to get an answer from you all, but I think y'all are leaning towards vaccinate, uh, your children, uh, or vaccinate at least. Am I comfortable? Is that, is that right? Vaccinate? Well, I mean, I think just look at the facts that are out there weigh what's important like talk to your provider like you know there are some religious groups that you know are super against vaccinations and like that was okay before when it was a super small minority so the rest you know the herd immunity the whole community around them being you know vaccinated prevented them from getting sick but now that protection is kind of gone when there's a lot of people so there's you know there's a lot of information out there to look at you know like the who the cdc you know looking at reputable sources talking to your provider looking at the facts you know and make your own decision because i think everybody needs to come to their own decisions about stuff 
Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll, sounds great. And maybe our other guest, if I if I had to ask you, should I vaccinate or not? And answer <laughs> what I get from you. Um I would absolutely vaccinate my children if I had children. Mm-hmm. I vaccinate Good. my cat. So do you guys vaccinate your pets? <laughs> <laughs> Dude. No. Dude, no, I do not. I do not. I didn't even know that was a thing. To be yeah, honest. I didn't know that either, yo. But like, I do. I do like the worms and all that stuff. You know, I do those normal shots. But like, what about like I, rabies I, 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 or? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I do all that. Oh, I do all yeah. that. Oh well, yeah, I thought you yeah, like yeah. more. I was like, damn, there's like a full yeah. shot for dogs. No. Well, I think there is, but I don't, I don't think you have to Like, we oh. all do, like, rabies, and we all do, you know, the leukemia and stuff. and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something to think about that, like, nobody's questioning about pets, but. That's interesting. I never even thought about that. I don't question them for my pets, but I, I question for myself. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe I care about my pets more than myself right now. <laughs> that could be a possibility. Yeah. I, I got my cats <laughs> teeth cleaned professionally so you know pets are important pets are important pets are important very important and you know what and and i i would love to keep talking but normally we usually hit around this time and we're going to probably wrap it up um we've we've hit about an hour so i just wanted to kind of wrap it up here and ladies thank you so much adrian thank you so much carrie thank you from the bottom of my heart (laughs) um and if you guys have anything else to say this is kind of like your Bob Barker moment, and then me and Pete will finish it out how we always do. No, th- thanks for your invitation. I appreciate, you know, coming to the table and talking about all this stuff in, like, a real way. I think it's important to take, you know, take the emotion and take the heat out of the conversation and, you know, just make it mono on mono. Cool. I appreciate the invitation as well. Thank you very much. Cool, cool. Probably. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you, and... uh Pete, if you want to finish, and then I'll finish up. Finish All up right. the way. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. A lot of great information. Ladies, thank you for joining us. We do appreciate it. There's a lot of great information. Um, follow our social media. Stay high. Fill up. Take it over. Um, as always, you can always follow Pete. I'm Fat Fishing. Me, my new chosen social media name is fuck underscore Phil. This is how it is. I apologize. That's just how it is. Um, as always, Thanks for joining us in conversations with Phil and Pete. Everybody have a good night. And from what I learned from tonight, vaccinate your kids. Make sure they're safe. Good night. Peace. Peace.